This podcast is brought to you by Valerate Global, helping companies achieve their net zero emissions through green energy transition and emission tracking. Hi, everybody. Uh, thanks for tuning again to VG Podcast. And again, today, I'm happy to have um, my three guests. Nancy Nguyen from the Philip from the what is it, Philippines? Sorry, Nancy Nguyen from uh, Vietnam, and she's based in US right now. We have uh, Mark C or Mark Elmer Tagup. Uh, that's pronounced as Your Excellency Mark. Yes, Tagup that's right, Excellency Mark, and he is still in Thailand, which we're not too sure why. He's enjoying his time there. Sawadikap. Sawadikap. And of course, uh, Ralph and Ralph is very tired today after a long day of work, but nevertheless, he jo- he's joining in with his bright eyes and it's marvelous. So what are we going to talk today? We are going to talk today about electric vehicles. Why electric vehicles? Well, it's, it's, the, it's the up and coming thing, right? I mean, if you've been driving a car for a long time, you must be heard hearing about this uh, electric vehicle uh, uh, phenomenon since uh, like in the late, in the early 2000. Now, just to be, just to give you some statistic, right? It's very interesting statistic, right? So, um, electric vehicles started uh, way, way, bit, uh, quite some time ago. And if you if you notice, um, the outlook of electric vehicle, there was zero growth for like from twenty ten all the while to about twenty sixteen and twenty seventeen, and then the growth is phenomenal. And right now, they are expecting every country to reach uh, a very high growth of electric vehicle by 2030. Uh, I don't have the data, but it's amazing. Now, if you look at uh, population of uh, volume of electric vehicle versus ICE, and ICE stands for internal combustion engine, which is a current uh, car. If you're driving a car right now, most of them are, well, all of them are ICE. And um, they are looking that by 2030, uh, majority of the country will have 25% or more having electric vehicle. Okay. Um, and if you look at the world, world in concern, I think the, the, the country that has a higher share of, of electric vehicles is like Norway, Sweden, Iceland, you know, the Nordic side. And the partly, partly due to this because of, of very strong government uh, push to make sure that you know uh, electric vehicle exists, so that's that's amazing for most country. Um, so, but the, the by I guess the question is this: um, is is something is electric vehicle something that is important for us to push on to reach a state whereby we really have um, it will reduce the carbon footprint in the world because we know that of course uh, most all of uh, the uh, ICE vehicle will have carbon monoxide coming out and that's contribute to greenhouse gases. Uh, that's one. And in order to push forward what is needed for electric vehicle to expand. I know we heard, we heard of a lot of things. Right? I mean, if you Google uh, in, in several, I mean, just all you need to do is Google or watch on YouTube, you have uh, people saying, oh, it's the issue is not the electric vehicle, the issue is the charging. Uh, charging station, right? We need more charging station. But some people, some are saying, well, you know, if we have better technology in terms of batteries, then you know, if in, if a full charge, we can we can go like uh, in ex- in 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 excess of hundred kilometers. Then why not? Because most of us don't travel that much on a single day, right? Usually commute to work back in certain countries. 
even in Europe, could be as uh, it would be probably about between twenty to fifty kilometers, or not more than that. But nevertheless, that's that's the topic today, and we have our three guests to talk about it. So Nancy, do you want to start off or to share a bit before I I, I uh, you know about this thing about electric vehicle? Right. Thanks, David. Um, it's great to, again to be on the podcast. So I think um, we all know about the benefits of uh, electric vehicles uh, in terms of lifetime cost saving, in terms of smaller uh, carbon uh, footprint. Um, I think you already uh, have uh, put out all the statistics, but for example, let's say about cost saving, lifetime cost saving of the electric vehicles could could be around 6,000 to 10,000 over the life of the vehicle compared to a similar gas power vehicle. Uh, regarding uh, carbon footprint of the electric vehicle, um, so if it's run, if the vehicle run on clean energy, um, so an electric car could emit around 80% of carbon than uh, diesel and around 81% than uh, petrol. However, um, there is a lot of um, challenge to be able for country to increase the EV adaptation. So let me back up a little bit to talk about the potential of electric vehicles in developing countries, especially for, for in the case of Vietnam. Right now we have around Vietnam in last year in 2020, Vietnam has around 4 million cars and 60 mil million motorcycles. Imagine we can convert all these vehicles to electric, electrify all the um, country fleet, um, it would help to reduce a lot of carbon emissions, which is uh, the one of the, the, the third source of um, carbon emission in, in the country, especially the uh, road transport. However, the cost of electricity is really high right now for the uh, average standard of Vietnamese income. So the average income of the Vietnamese monthly income is around 277 per month. And the cost of electric car is around 40,000 40, US dollars. Mm. So the, the, an EV car can cost anywhere from one to from 10 to 40 percent more than a similar gasoline um, model. So it's way too expensive for the an average Vietnamese to afford uh, an EV. And uh, on top of that is uh, the lack of charging station as you mentioned. And also we have to consider the source of the energy, uh, the source of electricity that used to charge the EV. So most of energy, if you would look at across Asia, most of the energy 
come from coal. For, for Vietnam, for example, 30% of electricity come from coal. So it would be very difficult for the government to try to convert all the current fleet to electric. Yeah, I, I understand. You can see the challenge right now because, I mean, I've been to Vietnam uh, once and uh, typically you can see a lot of motorcycles and two-wheelers all about. And I think uh, in my mind, I was thinking, yeah, perfect if you have if, if there's some kind of incentive that can drive this thing up by, you know, having electrified the two-wheeler, it'd be fantastic. Uh, but I guess you just uh, hit the nail on the head. The issue again is cost. I mean, diesel engine has been around for a long time. Why is it along and why is it not moving? It's because diesel is very high efficient. Uh, the only thing about diesel is, and not only high efficient, diesel itself is not a very expensive uh, fuel. The only problem, again, is the emission of, that came out of diesel, and that's the one that's polluting. So you're actually substituting something that is, that is more expensive, uh, of course, greener, but how we feel for the consumer. So why don't we have a word from, uh, from His Excellency Mark and see what he says about that. Uh, thank you very much. My only... Uh, um... The thing that I don't really like about EV is that it's too expensive and I don't have one. Um, I was <laughs> keep on telling um, my bosses, uh, both my bosses, Mark from Australia and Peter, American-based in, in Bangkok, is that I need a, a Tesla as a um, uh, year-end uh, bonus, but they, they never give me that. Um, but yes, um, EVs are very expensive. Um, I just noticed that... Um, in many new condominiums in Bangkok, um, including mine, because I just moved um, to a new condo last uh, August. And my condo parking lot has uh, EV charging station. Um, mm. And I'm, I'm quite surprised that um, uh, new developers, uh, real estate developers in Thailand are actually putting this. And I think that's kind of synonymous to what is uh, Thailand's ambition. Uh, for several years now, Thailand has been uh, planning to become the EV um, electric vehicle leader in, in Southeast Asia. Um, I think um, Indonesia is also trying to um, have that uh, uh, um, leadership. But um, in terms of Thailand, um, following the proclamation of the Thai uh, prime minister during the COP26, um, Thailand is uh, adopting this uh, BCG model for sustainability. It's the um, biocircular green economy, which also includes um, the um, deployment of EV vehicles. Now, Thailand is trying to, um, to be ambitious to have uh, at least 30% of the vehicle production by uh, 2030 uh, to be electric vehicles. Uh, and that, um, that all vehicles sold domestically by 2035 will be zero emission. So that would help um, Thailand uh, decarbonize it's quite ambition. It is. It's quite ambitious, and I hope that I will have an EV soon to be able to to contribute to that zero emission. Um, so, so if you know my bosses, please uh, let them know that I need a Tesla. 
And, and, and just to add on, you know, Tesla has been the top selling uh, uh, car for both uh, plug-in hybrid as well as battery electric vehicle. Amazing for the last couple of quarters, so they've been doing pretty well as well. So I think you're right. I mean, Thailand does have a very strong um, well mandate to bring in EV. And I think that's a very, very good way of, of doing so. But again, I, I, let's say it's, it's all about cost, right? Uh, and um, yeah, plus of course the cost is the issue. Why why we can't we can't have that? Um, I mean, even in Singapore, we are also trying to push EV, but the current uh, EV percentage in Singapore is still less than three percent. So it's, it's, it will take time. And um, again, it's all about uh, you know uh, it's all about cost. Now the, the the funny thing is that we were talking about Indonesia. You see, when I went to to Bangkok, I can I remember that uh, at the peak hours. It's slow, but it's moving. Uh, but in Indonesia, in Jakarta, in the peak, non-peak hour, it is not moving. So I'm just curious, why do they want to put this kind of, of, of uh, you know, uh, stress on themselves when the issue is, is their road infrastructure? But, but that's being said, uh, in, the, in Manila, there's also this issue about, uh, you know, during peak hours, traffic is not moving and things like that. So... Uh, Rao, what do you think about it? Do you think, uh, you know, what is the electric vehicle uh, strategy in, in, in the Philippines and how do, how do you think it can grow or do you think it should grow or not? Um, yeah, since you mentioned about Manila as being having worse traffic here in Southeast Asia, yeah, we call it Carmageddon, basically. <laughs> You're having, <laughs> yeah, Carmageddon. You're having a big parking lot along the roads. Yeah. So during peak hours. Is that especially along EDSA? Yeah, along EDSA. Especially along EDSA, the major uh, highway in, in Manila and also some streets. But I think EV has a place here in the Philippines, especially in the public transport. Given that um, private ownership of... Um, EV is extremely expensive for common Filipinos. And yeah, since Tesla is very popular as, as EV, but it's, it's not available here in the Philippines for retail sale. And if you choose to import it here in the Philippines, you are going to pay 125% more on top of that um, for, from government taxes. So basically, since Tesla is already expensive, you're paying another 125% more. So that means you can get a Tesla, uh, an electric vehicle, which is comparable to a, a luxurious um, vehicle com comparable to Porsche or Mercedes-Benz. You're so, kidding. How, what, 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 how, how much would that be? I mean, how, how much do you pay for like a normal a Tesla, you know, the upmarket Tesla? Are you going to pay like uh, above two $300,000 uh, US? Yeah, maybe something like that. It's around 5 million pesos, basically. Wow. This is amazing. This is amazingly and the, expensive. Yeah, and, and also with the government um, policies here that every imported luxury goods should be declared and you need to pay a broker, basically, and 125% uh, tax for that. So yeah, it's very expensive in the first place and another expense for your tax. So yeah, so the strategy really is, is uh, they're going into the low-hanging fruits, which is the um, 
public sector or the public transportation here in the Philippines. So, um, although they are having this electric jeepneys, electric tricycles, no, um, for the benefit of the listeners, um, in the Philippines, we have a very uh, unique mode of transportation. We call those as jeepneys. Jeepneys are basically um, American um, type of vehicle from World War II, and we developed that into a public mode of transportation. And tricycle is a three-wheeler um, motorcycle, uh, which is which has a sidecar that you can hop on on it. So, yeah, so that's that's what they are targeting now in electric vehicle. But yeah, uh, electric vehicle here in the Philippines is having a pro, uh, a chicken and egg problem. So, whatever. What whoever should come first? Should it be the charging station or should it be the vehicles first? So uh, I think that is the main concern here in the Philippines, aside from the uh, the cost of electric vehicles. Yeah, similar to Vietnam, the uh, Tesla that is imported to Vietnam will subject to a special consumption tax of around 70%. So let's say a Tesla costs 60,000 US dollars. By the time we get to Vietnam, it costs uh, around 100,000. And it doesn't count from other taxes, for instance, like registration fee and other things. And by the time it get to the market, it, it probably around 150,000 to 200,000. So I believe for most of Vietnamese, electric car would not be something within their consideration for at least five to 10 years. And another thing for, uh, for electric, electrify the transportation sector in many countries in Asia is uh, um, how they, um, how they plan for the grid when there is a, a high number of um, electric vehicle penetration that need to um, use electricity. For, for instance, like I said, in Vietnam, 30% of electricity come from coal. And, but the thing is, even like last year, when the government um, have a, after a lot of, um, the uh, government incentive to support uh, renewable energy within one month we got around 4000 to 5000 megawatt of solar get online and is it caused uh, grid uh, overloaded and the government had to um, after uh, many solar farms shut down their uh, power and stop um transfer uh, energy to the grid. So that's come back to the question of not just lack of inf charging infrastructure in many countries in Asia, but also is about the, um, the grid, uh, the transmission line are very old, the grid infrastructure are, are obsolete. So it's impossible for the um, government to get more renewable energy online to support the electricity supply of transportation. I, yeah, I, I think both you and uh, Nancy and Ralph make a very good point because 
two key things has been brought up. First thing is public transport and second thing is grid, uh, which bring us to the next question. Should, elect, should first thing is, uh, let's talk about the grid since Nancy has stopped out there. I don't think basically every, any, com- any country in the world is ready for this because you don't know when someone is going to charge and exactly how many people is going to charge at the same time is, is random. So if the grid is not positioned well enough with access or some kind of uh, AI to understand the demand and the supply of the grid, you, you will have brownouts or overloading or et cetera. You know, it will happen because this is a, this is, this is a phenomenon that is, um, is very new to everywhere in the world. And I, re- I really don't think any government has really got their hand on it. Right, that's one thing. Now, the second thing is, uh, which is a very touchy issue, and that's about ownership of cars, right? Now, um, if we electrify all the public transport, maybe that w- would help because that's the main, um, the main mode of transport for many people, right? I mean, we do have a high percentage of uh, a driver still. I mean, uh, people who are driving, they contribute to the whole population. But what I meant is that if you start to electrify the main uh, you know, transport mode, then you find that you actually reduce a fair bit of emission. And then would it then be good for us to then reduce the vehicle? Instead of bringing more EV or vehicle on the street, why don't we just completely reduce? And that's what Singapore is trying to do. Not that it's, it has been successful, but what you just did was drive up price. Now, you, uh, for those listeners who are not from Singapore, we know that in Singapore, there's something called Certificate of Entitlement. And that basically gives you the license to buy a car. And this Certificate of Entitlement is, is, uh, will last you for either five or 10 years. And after 10 years, you're going to buy a new certificate if you want to carry on to use your car. So basically, and, and, and the Certificate of, of Entitlement or COE initially started off as like, between three to five thousand dollars sing. Right now, as per this month, uh, different category, no doubt, but the most expensive category went up to about eighty thousand sing. So if you buy a car, if you have a, a car that costs you like fifty thousand, you actually got to pay eighty thousand to get that certificate entitlement plus the car, which is 30, 50,000, which is now the paper is more expensive than the car, and you end up paying at least a hundred over thousand for a small car. So Comment, do we maybe the best way to do is to well, simply adapt something like what we do here and say, okay, why not we just kind of like reduce the car population because that will really drop all the, the carbon emission. What do you think, Mark? Well, it seems to me, am I on, on mute? No, I'm not on mute and you can hear me. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> it seems to me that this discussion on electric vehicle is not just a question on policy and it's not just a question on um, energy system planning but it's it's a very big discussion uh, first would be of course uh, policy because policies need to be um, in place in order to um, enable production um, and deployment of electric vehicle um, there needs to be uh, an alignment with the energy uh, plans um, in terms of uh, deployment of renewable uh, energy to produce electricity. Um, and we will be also talking about um, the grids. Um, 
but there's also that um, discussion on um, behavioral engineering uh, on how do we communicate the need to um, cut down on our um, cars and just to electrify. So this is a, a very, 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 very big discussion. And I don't think that um, uh, we can, uh, we can pinpoint one um, approach in, in electrifying the, the vehicle. But I like what you were thinking that uh, maybe it's good to, um, to, to, to have the, the demand um, inform the policy and the change. Um, but yeah, um, this is a, a, it's a very, very big discussion. Um, and I don't think that the countries in the whole world have actually um, uh, uh, had the have the, the the approach to to electrifying our vehicles. Yeah, unfortunately, you're, you're absolutely right. Unfortunately, sometimes we talk about this discussion is about social status, right? Like, uh, why do we need a why do we buy a car? We we had a discussion in Singapore as well. Why do people buy a car when actually Singapore is so small? Why can't we just take? We have an efficient public transport system. We have buses. We have the MRT or the mass rapid transport, which is our subway. Uh, and we have, um, even within a certain uh, town, uh, we call it heartland, uh, we do have something called LR3, which is a light rail transport, which is then branched out from the MRT route to even deeper down into the respective uh, area in within the whole uh, small town. Uh, but why then? Why people still pay thousands of top dollars just to buy a car when, you know, uh, after 10 years, a car is worthless, you can rebuy again. And I think the question is about social standing. Um, and um, if, if, even if the CEO price, the COE price, sorry, goes up to 100 or even 200,000, right? For the very wealthy, it's not a problem for them. They will still be able to afford. But for people, who wants to buy it because of certain reason, they will still buy it, right? They will try some way and they'll take a loan or everything to buy it because sometimes, like, like what I say, is something about social status. Unless yep. it's really pushing all the way or we do a system whereby we say that, um, okay, uh, it's, a, it's, a full, full, uh, it's a full ballot system. Like, okay, I would just cap. And then not uh, regardless of whether what, who you are, we, we just do this thing. I mean, all these things we have thought of it, but the main aim was to reduce the number of cars on the road. And the further you reduce on the road, the lesser emission it is. So, um, I mean, what's the thought about this? I mean, I know the reduction is, 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 I know this is a very tricky thing, but I guess having every, every country who want to own a car, I mean, every person in a country, in a country who want to own a car for social standing, right? Yeah, I, I, I agree with you there. Sorry, I agree with you there in terms of it's a social status. In the Philippines, um, this is outside the EV. But um, when you date someone, they would, ask, they would ask like, oh, is that person, uh, do, do he, she has a car? Because it's a social symbol, right? Um, right now, uh, like uh, in terms of EV, um, is your EV Tesla or is it made in China? So it, it is a uh, social utopian 
uh, uh, nation that we will be a needs-based. Like for now, the current need is to need to reduce uh, our carbon emissions. Um, and with that need, maybe EV is not the actual uh, um, answer. Maybe it's uh, um, sustainable uh, transport and mobility, uh, like uh, more um, bike lanes, Mm. Uh, people walk, but yeah, maybe maybe if we reframe our thinking into what is needed, mm. not um, do I look cool in a Tesla? Of course I would. Uh, <laughs> calling my bosses, <laughs> I need a Tesla. Um, but yeah, uh, I, you know, I'll, I'll make sure that at the end of this <laughs> podcast, I'll deliver uh, the one personally to uh, to your two bosses, Thank Nancy. You. Right, you both talk a lot about social symbols related to car ownership, but I think um, there another thing uh, also add up to that is a gender element um, to the car ownership. So uh, not long ago, I read a report uh, done by a company in Europe about the um, uh, consuming consumption behavior between male and female. So female, they spend more of the their money into fashion, home decor, um, house improving. And male, meanwhile, male spend most of their um, um, income into car, buying car, um, improving um, car as well. So I think um, it, there, again, um, there's a lot to do, uh, the government has still have to do a lot to do with in terms of having a policy to improve um, the electric vehicle. But at the same time, um, they also have, should have some communication programs to change the consumer behavior uh, and consumer habit to reduce uh, uh, private car ownership. I believe that um, in car owner, private car ownership would have never have do any good in terms of supporting the emission reduction. Um, for instance, like in Vietnam, if you right now we have sixty million uh, motorcycle on the road, and if we encourage the, all those convert into electric vehicle, uh, vehicles, it wouldn't solve the uh, problem of traffic congestion in Vietnam. Actually, it, uh, it even make it worse because of the road in Vietnam are very small and narrow, and it doesn't help to put more um, vehicles on the road. And um, but then again, there's another thing in in developing countries is they the the network of public transportation is very limited, especially for the first and last mile con uh, connectivities, and uh, there's there are not many bus stops into the, those areas that where people use the most. So that's why, that's the reason why a lot of people refuse to use public transport. Right, I, I, yep, I think, yeah, I agree with you. Um, 
And that's quite that's something that uh it takes time to build up. It's not something that you can build up within the within a few years. It takes time. Like uh, if you look at Jakarta per se, uh, just to do their uh so-called uh, subway, it took them a long, long time to build it, and it was such a challenge because of the road infrastructure and everything. But but like what you say, I I actually uh, agree. But the question right now is, if we manage to solve that problem, do you think that the desire to own a car whether it's an ICE or electric vehicle, let's assume by then electric vehicle is occupying like we, we, the cost goes down and then, you know, everybody's like, okay, you know, we get electric vehicle. Yeah, they might be have a charging situation, but, you know, there's a lot of way to get this thing resolved, right? It's just a matter of technology and a matter of uh, logistics. But when, when the last mile issue is being resolved through a public mean, does it mean that it will reduce the desire to own a vehicle? Why not we hear from Ralph? What do you think? Yes, I, I think so, David, because here in the Philippines, the situation is very different. I think people are buying cars because primarily of convenience and social status is just a bonus. I mean, you get a car because public transport here in the Philippines is terrible. It's crazy and it's outrageous. Sometimes it's like participating in a Hunger Games just to get a ride. So, yeah. You get a car because you wanted to travel or you wanted to travel conveniently. But if that problem is solved, let's say, for example, the, the, the public transport here in the Philippines is better and it can transport uh, people efficiently uh, without the sweat, I think um, people would really appreciate that and people would take public transportation um, conveniently rather than having cars because having a car here in the Philippines is quite expensive. You still have to pay for um, insurance. You still have to pay for the parking, which is very limited because, you know, Metro Manila is a, a very, the, the densest place on earth. Uh, it's a small city packed with a lot of people and there's not a lot of place to park your car. Mm -hmm. So I think yeah, if we solve that problem of bringing better mobility to the public, um, people would hesitate to really buy car. I, that's what I'm thinking. So we're talking about trains, the, uh, the subway, trains between uh, two cities, uh, buses, yeah. and even small. I think we, we have some projects which I saw uh, last mile using electric, uh, you know, small electric transportation, and and you believe that all these things would uh, reduce the desire for uh, the Filipinos to own a car. What about what about Mark? Mark, I, I because yeah. you're typically in Thailand, so you're kind of like hope you're representing Thailand. What do you feel about it? Do you think that this will help? Um. Yes, but I have to be honest. Uh, I drive a car. And my office is ten minutes walk. Wow! <laughs> so, so, so I, I wouldn't be the the, the perfect uh, uh, person to 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 say. But I think I think yes that if the infrastructure is better, then there's no need to to uh, uh, have a car. Mm -hmm. um, and I know this um, from experience. Like I just been driving a car uh, for four months or five months because I, and this is my excuse. <laughs> Listen to my excuse. Um, a friend of mine um, is leaving Thailand and uh, 
he just needs someone to take uh, to 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 have a look at the car and you know the car sitting so so i'm a good friend uh, i stole the car um but yeah so if i if i will uh reflect on say japan japan has a very good uh transportation system uh people from far flung um outskirts of tokyo uh, would be able to go to tokyo using the public transport and i don't think that they need to have a car mm. um and 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 in here in bangkok as well um i was living near the airport link uh and my office is in downtown um i didn't really feel the need to have a car uh because uh compared to the philippines um i can easily get from point a to point b so i think yes if you have a very good uh transportation system like japan or even taipei um people um logical people um would tend to stay away from having a car because having a car is expensive um they say it's convenient but if you are struck in jakarta manila or bangkok traffic it's it's hell um you need to uh, uh have a car maintenance every now and then uh if it rains and it floods um bye bye car or bye bye insurance um so yeah i i think i think nancy and and ralph um are right if we have very good public transportation system that goes to far flung provinces or outskirts of the city then car is an option for those who are not really um thinking well uh, yeah. i said like crazy but not thinking logically the <laughs> density response to the last question about uh the desire to own a car will go down with last mile coverage because she actually brought the question do do you think the vietnamese were drop the you know the desire to own a bike uh you know if we solve that problem right i agree with both uh mark and draft about the um if we have a good transportation logically people would drop the desire to um own the a car but for vietnamese it wouldn't be a long way to go number one is car like you already discussed associate with uh, social status and um like mark already point out if uh, uh you want to date a guy and um you always want to go know whether he has a car and only in a car in like i said a tesla in vietnam by the time it reached to the market is around 200,000 million so 200,000 sorry and so only in a car meaning you you are wealthy and that's all the matter mm. so it would take a very very long time for all vietnamese thinking um owning the car is just a, a, another means of transportation and it doesn't has has anything to do with um having a car uh, nothing to do with being wealthy and um, that's one thing and the second thing is it will take a very long time for the vietnamese government to promote and uh, support the uh, expansion of road and connectivity in vietnam as well as 
um, promote um, public transport infrastructure and mass transit infrastructure because Vietnam is all the um, public uh, infrastructure projects have uh, notoriously delayed. Um, for instance, like we, uh, the uh, metro system supposed to finish in 2016, and it was not uh, put in service until last month, November. So 10 years, uh, sorry, five years of delay. So um, for Vietnamese, it is still a, a very, very long way to go. And I haven't, I don't see anything would be improved in the next five years, which we don't have time regarding um, to keep the uh, global warming to 1.5. Yeah, that is a, that's, that's really a challenge. Well, guys, we, we actually come, uh, we actually come out, run out of time to talk about this. And this topic is so interesting. Again, all of us are talking to it passionately. But before we let all of you go, any last word for our listeners about this topic or maybe about um, whether they should drive for that date or something? Well, my last words would be, please, where, where you can try to use public transport, um, private car ownership would never have do any good for environment uh, in or in terms of helping us reduce uh, emissions. Uh, public transport is convenient, clean, and the thing is you don't have to worry about even like accident, the, the um, chance to get accident in public transit is way less than, than um, driving your own car. So uh, here we go, public transport. And, and even uh, you go uh, even extremer is to drive bicycle to work or, or anywhere. It's good for your health, good for the environment, win-win situation. Great. Uh, Mark? Yes, uh, I was just, um, you know, uh, uh, driving in a car, raining, holding one's, uh, your lover's hands, hand, because you're driving, so you can't, yeah. So it's, it's romantic, yeah. But also walking while holding hands is equally romantic and it's environmentally friendly. So, so therefore, so therefore, um, a car is just, we should think of a car as just a uh, uh, transportation, uh, but there are uh, more environmentally and sustainable way to get from point A to point B. Uh, EV is a solution, but there are a lot of conversations that need to be had and a lot of actions that needs to be done. Um, so I, I think that um, uh, we should not really think of social status um, in acquiring car or, or, or even Tesla, although, although I really like a Tesla, <laughs> but uh, we, should, we should think of, of uh, the greater need, the greater need to, to uh, cut down um, our carbon emissions. Mm, right. So um, uh, uh, hold hands while walking. It's also romantic. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, I'm, not, and, I'm not making sense. Well, no, no, I agree. I think the further the restaurant is to the home, the better, right? The more time spent rather than taking a car, right? Yeah, yeah definitely. And it's, it's exercise. Exactly. How about you, Ralph? 
Yeah, um, if you're traveling alone, definitely go for the public transport. And if it's just nearby, you can just opt to just walk. I mean, it's good for your health. It's good to see the environment. And it's also an opportunity to see the lives of others, not basically just um, um, having or dipping into their waters, but really just to see the culture and great to have experiences as well but if you're traveling um with family i think it's yeah it's better to to really appreciate the public transport also and also if if where you can afford it um car is an option for convenience but basically i'll prioritize public transport I initially I was hoping that Mark was stand on my side about public about public transport. Well, I'm not against public transport, right? But I, I'm just I just I, I'm a guy that loves to drive, and uh, you know, I look I I always look forward to go to a country where there are long distances, and I take like uh, uh, uh you know road trips to like uh in especially in Europe where you can go to cities to cities without going through custom issues and you know uh, border control. Uh, and, and that's just part of passion. So I, I guess it's a balance, like what you say, you need to sacrifice certain interests for the greater good of, of all of us. And I think um, if you can sacrifice, do it. Uh, that'd be great because after all, you know, it takes a, everybody needs to take a little step. And then uh, let's hope that the government will come up with better policy. We, we, we don't know, we don't know, but we just hope that it will happen, right? Well, guys, uh, thanks for joining me in this podcast and listeners, Thank you for listening again. I think it has been a great podcast and we, we really appreciate your time with us. Um, this is myself, David, uh, with Max, with Nancy and with Ralph. Uh, guys, say bye to them before I sign off. Good Goodbye from your excellency, Mark. <laughs> goodbye. See you next time. I'll see you next time from the Philippines. Right. Bye. Thanks. Thank you.